The FBI arrested a member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard yesterday, charging him with leaking hundreds of government documents on social media. The FBI says the man was taken into custody as part of an undercover operation called Arrest Somebody, Anybody. The Department of Justice wants to know how a trove of highly classified Pentagon secrets got leaked on social media and more importantly, why it only got 50 likes. The material that was leaked revealed weaknesses in Ukraine's air defenses and revealed that Ukraine is quickly running out of ammunition. This is top secret information only known by our intelligence agencies or anyone who ever listened to one of Joe Biden's 5,000 speeches begging Congress to spend more on Ukraine. Some of the secrets revealed are that our military spies on our allies, allies like South Korea, Israel, and of course, America's closest ally, the United States taxpayer. Meanwhile, Senator Dick Durbin, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, said he will launch an investigation into Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's millions of dollars worth of vacations paid for by conservative billionaire and activist Harlan Crow, who it turns out today purchased Thomas's childhood home and plans to turn it into a museum, the Clarence Thomas Museum where every wing is a nut. Thomas insists he only took the gifts because Harlan Crow has no business before the court. And Harlan Crow has no business before the court only because of all the gifts Clarence Thomas took from him. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. Let us go now to New York City, where Colleen Worthman joins us. Hello, hello. She's written for all my favorite people, all my Michael Moore, Steve Martin. You've written The Daily Show, The Nightly Show, The Mark Twain Prize, the Academy Awards and the Oscars, I believe. Indeed. The Oscars and the Academy Awards. And she's been to places like the Netherlands and Holland. I think you've been to both Holland and Netherlands. Yes, Netherlands. yes. You've it's written, true. You've written for the Comedy Central Roasts, the White House Correspondents Dinner. But most importantly, you are teaching our wounded warriors. I am. You're not teaching, you're helping them tell their I, story. I lead writing workshops. Right. With them. Right. And that Sometimes, is, not all the time. But it's one of my favorite things that I get to do in my life. Right. And you have a new dog. Brand new doggy. This is Julie. Aww. She is a rescue. We've had her just under two weeks. Mm. She is a hound mix. They think she's somewhere between seven and 10 years old. And uh, she had a big day. So she's very tuckered out right now. I'll bring you down to look at this face. Yeah, it's just the eyes. And, and it's just it's just. It is better than love that you can get from a human. They it is. Don't, they, they can't testify against you. <laughs> Nobody believes them in court. They're known. I mean, everybody knows dogs lie. So 
I I would say let's let sleeping dogs lie. <laughs> I would believe. say dogs have given me more pleasure than humans have. If you were to add up, well, sexually, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it, David. Uh-huh. The I, dynamic my, is back. My dog left me for another leg. It's <laughs> I'm just so. What did I do? What? Did, uh, he, you what know, speaking, about, speaking of dogs and legs, I had the most hilarious experience on the subway uh, yesterday. I was riding down to rehearsal, and there was a young guy with this enormous gray pit bull it looked like a fucking ox it was so big and muscular and just like the biggest sweetie so excited like tail wagging i put my hand down and obviously he could smell julie our dog on me and then he like jumped up put his paws on me and Uh, kissed my face and uh, then and then he came back like one second later and he just started humping my leg (laughs) and i was like oh oh (laughs) And these like teenagers across from me, they were like, oh, oh, (laughs) how are the subways? I try to walk everywhere. Do you feel safe on the subways? Oh, very much so. Are you You worried? I've also I've also lived here for so long. I have act. I don't have resting bitch face. I have active bitch face. (laughs) So no one messes with me. (laughs) Is it more dangerous? Or are we being told it's more dangerous? Because I do get a sense. I started reading the New York Post and you start to think that you're going to get mugged and robbed every time you step. Is, is it do you think the crime is as bad as they say it is? No. Yeah, me neither. I mean, the Post is, you know, it's a conservative paper and it's for, you know, Joey Lunchpail mm-hmm. and they like to, you know, paint this picture of the city as going to hell in a handbasket every single day. So I I don't take the post seriously, except for page six, which yes, is gospel. And yes. I do I do like to uh, read the incontinent musings of Cindy Adams, which are only getting more unhinged as she inches closer to death. Or may already be there. She uh, may already be dead. She may. She may her cat might be typing her articles. <laughs> I don't know. I remember I remembered when Black Lives Matter started in 2020, we were on like a 50 year secular low in crime and murder. The the crime rates were the cops were committing most of the the crimes. Mm -hmm. It was pretty safe out there as long as you weren't hassled by the cops. And I remember thinking, I know how you can make numbers sing. I know how Mm -hmm. you can work statistics. And I said, I guarantee you crime rates are going to go up after this summer. They're just going to start reporting crime differently, which you can. I'm not saying. Yeah, like they said on the wire, juking the stats, juking the stats. What does that mean? uh, Like uh, sort of arranging them and compartmentalizing them, like manipulating the statistics in a way that paints a certain kind of picture or, you know, uh, writing up crimes that ordinarily would be ignored because, you know, they're they're at the end of a budget year and they want to right. prove that, oh, we need more this and that. Right. More overtime or whatever. And there's discretion if you're a coroner uh, 
I'm, I'm not a coroner. I've, you know, yeah, I right. I, I amateur, you know, I do. I'm a weekend coroner. When you uh, dissected my dead father. Yes. You did a great job. I, I thank you. Thank you. And plus, he wasn't completely gone, <laughs> <laughs> which made it interesting because I've never actually talked to a cadaver while I was opening them up. And uh, uh, he was very encouraging because he, he was a chef. So he would tell me he told me to ha handle the knife mm -hmm. and yeah, tuck in your fingers. Did your when did, did your father? Yes, he actually died uh, uh, February 18th. OK, well, I have to do this. Everybody gets one of these. An air horn? <laughs> Everybody gets it. I, I uh, remember Laura House when her, uh, I think her father died and Professor Harvey J.K. was on the show and Laura knew exactly what I was. And she could, yeah, my mother died. She had been very sick. <laughs> and <laughs> Professor K got so, he didn't realize. The, but I'm sorry to hear that. I went through that uh, with Thank my you. mother. My mother, yeah. my mother died again. She died 10 years ago, came back and died again. No, she, uh, that's why I say to my sister, everything okay? Did mommy die again? Mm. Uh, yeah, I lost my mom in May of last year. And uh, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, that is, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. When you said he died, I, my brain, what, what, when did he pass away? When did that happen? February 18th. February 18th. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have two younger sisters who live uh, in the Twin Cities where where my mom is. And my right. mom and dad were married for 55 years. So she's going through a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, you know, what's amazing to me is. And she she does not want you to keep offering your services as a gigolo. To her. I he told me to tell you that it, I give it the first one's free. <laughs> the first one. It's a freebie. She told me that you pay her. That, for the that's first what one. I meant. Then then I'm willing to pay her. I'm just I want to <laughs> I want to give it a test drive. See if I like it. And then I'm willing to pay for pay her for my services mm, mm. As, as a gigolo. That's one of the things I offer as a gigolo, mm. along with my sexual prowess, is money. Okay. Because I feel that that's I'm old fashioned that way. I think it's the man the man should pay for everything, <laughs> including including the sex. <laughs> I'm I'm old school that way. Uh, wow, fifty to be married fifty years. Fifty five. Fifty five years. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, that's amazing. You don't hear yeah. of that. You, you don't hear of that. No. Can I ask you, uh, I, I will tell you that my sister and I did really well uh, as my mother was going. I was kind of, you know, we, it was, there was teamwork. I said, you hold her arms oh, yeah. down and I'll squeeze the neck. We were, no. Um, but you know, my mother was very, is, I, she, she was my mom. The last thing my mother, my mother was making jokes till the, she kept offering 
she kept saying to the nurses, get me out of here. I don't. And she was I'm telling you, they were like, you know, it was not a. And she said, I'll give you five dollars to get me out of here. And 1943 in, prices. And I thought that is just so funny that yeah, she said five dollars. So I'll give you that's five dollars so uh, cash. She said, I mean, it was it. She she stayed funny in in. Uh, one of the gifts I have is I discovered my mom was hysterically funny. I, uh, and her, I, I didn't know I, that I am more like her than I am my father. Interesting. And I didn't know that my mother was sarcastic and You biting. only realized this when she was on her deathbed? No, no, no. In her last, you know, in the last 20 years. Oh, I began, okay. I go, oh, she's this isn't she doesn't mean what she's saying she's being funny i you know um i, I would as a child i might have taken her literally mm -hmm. you know i yeah so uh what is the happiest memory you have of your dad well i uh i i actually talked about this in my eulogy um one of my absolute favorite memories of my dad is from when I was like maybe seven or eight years old, he was in the backyard grilling and he was wearing like his kind of kooky weekend gear, which was a t-shirt that his culinary students had given him that said cowabunga, which he <laughs> would, it, that was like his catchphrase. Like somehow he discovered right. the phrase cowabunga and then he used it all the time. And when he was teaching his students, so they gave him a t-shirt that said cowabunga. Uh, khaki like work pants that had been cut off into shorts that like they were covered with like oil stains and paint splatters and stuff. Right. And, you know, he's from Germany originally. So, you know, white socks pulled all the way up to the knees <laughs> and black like work shoes that he had cut the heels out of to make like clogs. And, uh, and he had two sets of tongs. And he was like, he was like dancing this little jig and like <laughs> clicking his castanets going. That's great. Can yeah, you give was, uh, can you give that memory to my kids so they have that of me? Absolutely. They have no happy memories of me <laughs> like, like that. Have them email me and I'll tell them all about you. I, I think my kids happiest memory is me not yelling at the cable company like just going over the bill with the cable company and not screaming at them at the, the top of my lungs. Well, your dad, chef mm -hmm. and taught. He taught people how to be chefs. Yeah. And how are you as a chef and as Gardner a chef? We're both pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely am more like experimental. Gardner is like, he sticks to his things that he's good at. Sometimes he'll do like a recipe from a cookbook or something, but uh, he's very good at cooking meat, which is not my favorite thing to cook. And I do a lot of the other things. And what's the best meal your father ever made? Oh, God, so many. It's hard to say. I mean, there were a lot of fun meals. There was a there was like what's a the worst meal? What's the worst meal he ever made where you all had to pretend you liked it or you came clean and said, this is just Okay, well, so he 
he would teach his students like old school French technique things. Right. And they had a public dining room at the school where, you know, people could come and do like a, a sort of buffet lunch or, you know, sometimes they would do service. Anyway, one of the things that he would make with them was uh, sweetbreads and cream sauce. And to me, it was always that's, really that's gross. That's, that's intestines. No, it's the um, it's the uh, thymus glands and the pancreas of a calf. The thymus that yeah, produces it's, it's hormones. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's a gland for sure. Right. It's awful. But um, yeah. You're saying it tastes awful. Like I can't eat this. It's. I mean, I, I like them now. I like them uh, fried or sautéed, which is often you know mostly how you see them. Uh, serving them in in a cream sauce, very very old school, very French uh, old school preparation, and it, it was just gross to me. Right. Like I did not like that. But I, I, I wasn't really like a fussy eater as a kid. My sisters were, but I wasn't. Um, and I'm very grateful that I grew up with him as my dad because his whole thing was like, just try it. You don't have to eat it at all if you don't like it. Just, just try it a little bit and see mm-hmm. what you think, you know? And he introduced us to all kinds of things. Like, I remember like he got in, he, there was a phase where he was really into cooking Chinese food, like stir fries wow. and learning to make dumplings, which was hilarious because he had these like enormous meaty hands, like mm-hmm. each of his fingers looked like a sausage. <laughs> um, and, and to see him do that very delicate work, right. was like really fun. Right. Uh, and then like, sometimes we would do like a meat fondue, which is like, you have like little pieces of steak or pork or whatever. And he would serve it with like a compound butter, which is like when you mash an ingredient in with the butter and mix it all nice. Right. So we would do like uh, steak fondues with anchovy butter, which was like so wonderful. Wow. Um, that was a fun, fun kind of thing. What is but he sim- was also very unpretentious. Like he loved Doritos. He loves like just a plain baked potato with salt mm-hmm. on it and a little butter. Like. Right. He, yeah. What is the similarity between uh, cooking and writing comedy? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, it is sort of technical. too many chefs, too many chefs, Yeah, too could... many chefs can make a dish very, very muddy <laughs> and right. also be incredibly annoying. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but if you if you sort of know good techniques and you sort of prepare yourself and you take just the time it needs, not too much, not too little, then you're going to turn out something that is delicious. Now I'm not a chef. I can't cook. Sure. You can. Well, that's right. The older I got, when I needed to cook for myself, I I said, well, this is like comedy. And that Mm. is what do you have? That's good. What works? Okay. This is a fresh, human carcass here that I mm-hmm. just scraped that you off. just as when you're as your corner gig, uh, right? coronet cornering, we, we right. call it cornhole right. cornhole And uh, I said, well, okay, th- so this is fresh. This is good. Don't ruin it. Mm-hmm. What can you add to it that will enhance it and remind you that it's fresh? And I've learned over time, it's basically three things. You want to put three notes on it. Mm-hmm. My, my friend Leslie taught me that you just want three notes. And uh, and then 
stop. Don't. Wait, you know, what are the three notes? Well, you can decide whatever. Oh, you, I see. You, whatever you want. So you're not do. like salt, acid, fat. Uh, yeah, I, I saw that. That was interesting. On salt, Netflix. acid, fat. He, yeah, I have a yeah. cookbook, too. It's great. It turns out the acid is not LSD. Sadly, no. <laughs> so I uh, I was doing it all wrong. Yeah, I am tripping balls at every meal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And when you go through something like this, which unfortunately, uh, except for me, uh, I I am in complete denial. uh, But uh, when you say go through something like this, what do you mean? You know, death. Like I'm not Uh going to die. I'm. I just not part of my. Right. That's not. Not in my. I, you know, Dick Cheney, when they said, why didn't you go to Vietnam? I, he said, I had other priorities. And, uh, and that's how I feel about, you know, you have other shoving. priorities than dying. I have things yeah. that, that have to be done and I'm, it's not on my, <laughs> it's not on my calendar. So you haven't penciled it in. I'm not penciling it in for a, a long, long time. And I don't think about it. Good. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not. I, Makes I life easier when you don't think about that. And I don't. I think. I think there's some people, unfortunately, in this country who celebrate it and expedite it, uh, and their politics reflect that. I think we have an apocalyptic death cult in, in Washington. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, what amazes me is how fragile relationships are when you're going through something like this, that it is a, an opportunity for people to act out every step of the way, the person dying, the people left behind friends. Uh, it is a lesson in boundaries and what you learn, what people are capable of doing and not doing, and you really have to uh, learn to accept what people uh, are strong enough to do and not strong enough to do. That was one of the things, Mm. uh, but I don't know how humans, uh, I, I don't know how we, it is, we are, you know, for, for a misanthrope, I'm amazed, uh, how miraculous humans are that we're not killing one another that we're Mm. not at each other's throats Mm -hmm. it's a miracle when you think of what 500 million guns that we know of here in america and the fact that when i walk around new york city i keep thinking we should just be scraping people off the streets in new york city how is it Mm. possible that you know i when i go for a walk I, i i'm not bringing a shovel to push the the bodies out of the way. Well, you can just wait till they come to your coroner's office. <laughs> I mean, why? Why be ha- that zealous? I, I make house calls as a coroner. I think but I, I have to just sidebar for one second, yes. David, because I'm surprised that you describe yourself as a misanthrope, because I consider you one of the great appreciators of other people. Uh, you know, uh, guys who act real macho, but they're really gay. Yeah, but some gay guys are just naturally macho. But a lot of guys like they strut and they they act in a certain way because they don't want anybody to know they're gay. 
Okay. Like overcompensating? I'm overcompensating. Oh, okay. This is an act. It's a facade. Okay, I'm, fair enough. I'm, yes. I don't want anybody to know how much hate lives deep inside of me. Mm. Would you call yourself like an H.L. Mencken? Uh, he didn't hate Jews as much as I do. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> he was a no, he was a pretty bad anti-Semite. Was, I did not know that. Oh, yeah. I, you he know, wasn't I was, Jewish? No. Oh, because no. Mencken, I mean. I know, I know, I know. Mencken's department store that's, in that's Mad not, That's a not, not Jewish name. I know. Uh, uh, I, I, I was actually reading him about four months ago, and I couldn't believe how brilliant a writer he was. Oh, my like, God. Breathtaking. So good. What, what, Incredible. Yeah. What are you reading? Uh, I just bought a book called, uh, oh, my God, what is it called? The Last Supper? Hold on. Let me get it. One second. Sorry for the uh, jaggedy. Are you talking about the New Testament? No, no. It's, uh, it's a like, novel. Are you, the I just last got two. I just got two books from Amazon. Where's the other one? Shit. This this is one of the ones I got. It's by whoops. Miko the, Kawakami. Miko Kawakami. All the it's called All the Lovers in the Night. In the night. Sounds intriguing. Um, and then where's my other? Oh, it's in. I think it's in my backpack. Hold on, I gotta get it. I think it's called The Last Supper. I'm trying to open this with one hand. It's not going. And does right. it take place? Uh, no, it's not about Jesus. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Last Resort by Andrew Lipstein. It's supposed okay. to be very good. All right. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, this is this is great. Let you what if people do? Oh people my gosh! Quite, the time is up. I yeah I know. Let's see. Uh, David, how many days have you been wearing that same blue shirt? Wow. Uh, are you the guy? There's somebody who keeps commenting on my colors. Somebody keeps sending me letters saying I'm, I'm an, an autumn or something and I should wear. Wow. So 80s. I, yeah, I, I, uh, how I this is uh, I have like four shirts. And a pair I have like three pairs of pants that I don't really need anymore because <laughs> my work. Ever since he started Donald ducking as a matter of principle. <laughs> Donald duck doesn't wear pants. Is that what it's called? Donald yeah, ducking? Donald ducking when you wear a shirt and nothing else. I didn't. That's brilliant. Yeah. I love that. But, but it, the shirt has to expose the downstairs region. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, uh, most of my work is done uh, from the the waist up. Woo! <laughs> uh, the the work that I do from the waist down, I can't talk about. But your mother, if you give me her phone number, she could be a beneficiary of that uh, that expertise. This is great. I, I like this new schedule because it's a. I, I like ending Friday nights doing a recording session because it 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 start it it starts the weekend. So indeed, and and, and people are the anyway. Uh, was there anything? I'm going to give you the last word, and then I'll ask you if you want me to plug something. 
I have nothing to plug. Um, just living life, living life. Um, you know what I'll plug? Uh, yes. Fostering a doggy and then adopting her. Yes. Aww. Yeah. That's what I'll plug. It is real love, isn't it? Yes. It's the best. They, they the, the uh, yeah, I want a dog. I really you should get don't. one, David. I, I, I think we talked about this. I've we had in a, in my previous life. Mm-hmm. At any given time, there were three dogs and four cats in my abode. Mm-hmm. And you go twenty five years that way. Uh, there, there is something freeing. Just it's a responsibility. Sure. There was there was always somebody who needed to be fixed. And if you got it wrong, like I accidentally fixed my son and took my cat. From what I hear, that's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Not to the the, that that those responsibilities, there there comes a point where you go, wait, that's over. I I, but I do want a cat. I do. I the problem is I get one and then I I have. it's like a it's snowball never, effect. I, if I, as, as long as you have one economy of scale, why not get 20? Mm. That's, that's how I used to be. Mm. There's plenty of room for, for more. Thank you, Colleen. Let's do Thank this more you. often. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Colleen Worthman. Shout Follower, out to the BMs. The basement. The basement masturbators. Fantastic. Much love as always. Thank you. Thank all right. Take care. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump.